glory to the Lord. We give you all the praise and all the honor and glory. Not one of us is here because we're so smart or we're so anointed or we're so anything. We're here tonight because of your goodness. We're here tonight because you sought us out. You rescued us. You forgave us. You cleansed us. You helped us start over. And not just since we got saved, but all of the times that we failed since then. You gave us a do-over because of your goodness. I want to thank you that I lift my hands tonight and I say glory to God. Glory to God. Great things he has done. Great things he has done. We don't look to any person tonight. Look to somebody's particular anointing. We only want to receive from you. I don't need anything more than I need you. I don't want anything more than I want you. So whatever you can do through me to give them you, you do it. Do it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I've been married, be married 42 years. Got Got eight grandchildren. The future of our friendship may determine by how you respond when I talk to you about my grandchildren. Because if you don't, there you go, sister. So, so if you don't light up and get all giddy, we probably don't have the future. Been in ministry 43 years, and there's two things, two things that I can tell you changed my life more than anything. Jesus Christ and Debbie Magoo. Because I wouldn't have made it in ministry without this lady. I would have shipwrecked a long time ago. And most of what I've learned about uh, relationships, I learned from the Holy Spirit and from her. And uh, she had to teach me a whole lot. I, I was a pretty raw, pretty raw deal. And uh, I got the better end of the deal. I got the, I got the better end of the deal. And if you think you didn't, you're married, you think you didn't, you're crazy. So she, she wanted to say something tonight. She's basically a, a very uh, mainly introverted, shy person. But anytime she wants to speak, I tell her, you say anything you want to say. Hey, we're glad to be with you. No, I was thinking about that song that we sang about the going to the left and going to the right song. And when we sang that, that story about Jesus, how uh, the young man came to Jesus and said, I want to follow you. What do you need me to do? And he said immediately, because Jesus knew, go sell everything you have. Well, of course, the young man went away sad because that was not what he didn't move to the right or the left. He didn't know that Jesus would ask and require him to do that one thing that he didn't want to do and you know it's the same with us if all we ever have to do is move to the right or the left that's easy but going to work getting there early and going and staying later and having a good attitude that might be what he asked you to do putting in more than what you're asked to put in praying for that co-worker 
that talks ugly about you being the Apostle Paul? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He might have replaced Judas. Who knows what he would have done? But he couldn't do the one thing that was required. And there's always something required. So I just encourage you. It may be uh, get up in the morning and read your Bible. You know, our brother, our brother uh, spoke today about making Sunday the Lord's Day. Well, you know what? Monday through Saturday, they're his days too. And it's not, um, you know, I was raised in a, a wonderful Christian home. We didn't act different at home than we did at church. My dad would call prayer meetings. We'd get on our knees at the sofa. Uh, we prayed together. My dad and mom read their Bibles in front of me. They did at home exactly what they did at church. And so you can't just sit one day. We need one day. We need seven days. And you might need to get up every morning and read your Bible. Or get up every morning and pray for a few minutes before you head out for your day. I don't know what it is, but I guarantee you, if you'll ask him, he'll tell you. He'll give you that one thing you need to do to move forward. And I just encourage you to do that. Woo! You know, because I'm here like this and out in front and I do most of the talking, but when we're, we're in private, she does most of Because usually when I get through talking, I'm talked out. So we go on the road, and boy, she'll take a deep breath and in Oklahoma and you'll be all the way to Bossier City, Louisiana before she lets up, and I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I would rather hear her talk than anybody in the world. Amen. And you know, tonight, I would, I would so much rather hear Ziggy preach than me. I just, I'll tell you the truth, I would so much rather. You know, I'm just not in, 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 a, in that way. But, uh, you know, I found out a long time ago, the best thing to do is just, just be yourself. Just be who God made you to be. And I think we have a little video that we want to share. We go to so many places, and I don't know what this on this video. I don't keep up with it. I don't do a lot of advertising. And if you want to support us, Find out how to do it. I'm around. You know, huh? The country's on there. Pretty self-explanatory. Are y'all ready? Were y'all ready to do it? Go ahead and do it. Get that out of the way. each other just two generations ago we got them under one roof it was a miracle I got them to take communion together that was a miracle and it was hotter than hell <laughs> Tanzania we spent 19 years there lady in the bottom right, I've been like a father to her. They're reaching 60,000 young people a week in Tanzania. 60,000. 
and increasing every week. These are 30 tribal people from Botswana. I'm talking about the, the swamp of the Okavango. I had an experience with a hippo I'll have to tell you about later. I got real close to Jesus over that one. It's Malawi. Praise the Lord. I don't know what happened to the music, but don't change. These people, uneducated, we did a, a graduation ceremony for them. They were so proud. They had never been awarded. And they got a we we did a banquet for them. And they 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 couldn't uh, they, we tricked them. Come on, y'all. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> those guys, those guys that we were with have a, have death warrants on their on their life. Praise the Lord. Well, turn with me to, to Genesis 22. Genesis 22. Like I say, I would so much rather hear Ziggy preach any day than, than me preach. And, and all I can tell you is a long time ago, I was with, in a meeting with Dr. Sumrall. He could get up and say things that just change your life in two seconds. He got up and, and he got the microphone and he looked at us and he said, he's real gruff, you know. If you didn't know him, you'd think, God, what is this guy's problem? Because he's just gruff. He got up and said, people of destiny always find themselves in places of destiny. He just let, It wasn't even his message. He said that, and I like, you know, that's why, like Ziggy and I, we're so different in a lot of ways, but we're really not. We're really birds of a feather. You know, birds of a feather, they'll end up flocking together. You know, when I was a youth pastor, I could, I could have, a, I, I had two kids that were devil worshipers come to the, uh, to the youth meeting. I saw it happen one night. This kid came that was a guest. He had never been to the youth group. He was a devil worshiper. These kids are dedicated devil worshipers. So the two of them were brothers, right? And they're sitting somewhere over here on the right in the middle, right? So this guest kid come, and the parents and some of the people had warned me about this child. This child's a devil worshiper. He's going to come in the youth group, and, you know, he's going to try to disrupt it and all that. It was so odd. He didn't know those two kids that were devil worshipers. He didn't know them. He came in the back and looked over the whole youth group, about 60 kids. He weaved his way and found his way on their aisle, walked down, sat right next to them. Come on now, tell me there ain't something to that. Birds of a feather flocking together. Well, I'm the same kind of crazy as Ziggy. We're the same kind of crazy. And we just want, we just want God, and, and uh, that's what brought him to Magnolia Christian Center when I was pastor there and we just had great great times great meetings changed people's lives and and uh, my kids love Ziggy and Ted they said to tell you hello yeah they still remember they said Uncle Ted he's crazy Genesis Genesis 22 Genesis 22 night came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. 
Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. I mean, you know, that's a faith statement. So Abraham took, took the wood of the burnt offering and, and laid it on Isaac, his son, and took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb for her burnt offering? And Isaac said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took, it, took the knife and hit our high school like a tidal wave. I mean like a tidal wave. I was a freshman, and I lost about half of my friends in, in just about two weeks. I lost about half of my friends. I was a, I, I was one, I, you know, I was an alcohol snob, you know. I thought I was better than them because I didn't smoke dope. I just got drunk. <laughs> you know, I, everybody in prison's got their standard, don't they? So I might have robbed a bank, but I ain't never touched a kid. Well, Okay. <laughs> You got your standard of righteousness, and we appreciate that very much. You know, you kill three people, but you ain't never touched a kid. We appreciate that. So I was kind of me. I was kind of a, you know, I had a brother that he, he smoked so much weed, he couldn't even carry a conversation. You know, so now it's, it really strains to me that Deb and I can go back to our, our hometown, and, and we see those people that we graduated with, you know. And now they still got a ponytail. They ain't got no hair on top of their head. But they got a ponytail. And they still driving a truck down Main Street, Spring Hill, and they still smoking weed. And the only thing I learned about people that smoke weed, you know their only goal in life is? Smoke more weed. That's it. Some, some of you know what I'm talking about. We'll, just, we'll keep that, you know, to ourselves. Some of you know... And you know, the thing is that they got stuck. They just got stuck. You think, man, you still, you know, I know, I know sometimes fashions come around, but you're still wearing bell bottoms. You still got the tie-dyed shirt and the ponytail down the back, and you're still smoking weed, and you're dragging Maine in that 1970-something Ford F-150 truck. You need to move on. Everybody in your whole life thinks you need to move on. And you know, I think that sometimes with the Lord, we, we, we can get stuck at some point. In our relationship, in our fellowship with God, we can get stuck in a way. And you stop and think about it. You know, so, well, I, God spoke to me, me, me back and so and so. And I, you know, God, I know God. I heard God's voice and God made it clear and God did this. You know, what? well, listen, di didn't God make it clear to Abraham? Didn't he make it clear? He said, I want you to take your son. And just a few, he said, I want you to take your son and sacrifice your son on an altar of fire. Go to it. And he goes to do it. Now, thank God, Abraham wasn't stuck. 
Thank God Abraham got a current word. Because if Abraham didn't get a current word, we'd have a dead Isaac. He said, no, you know, the angel spoke from heaven. Hey, Abraham, hang on. I got to do this. And I mean, hey, wait, hey, I had another word. I had an up-to-date word. But you weren't up-to-date. Now we got another issue. A dead Isaac. Jesus said in Luke 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema, different from logos, little theology. Logos is the word in its entirety. Rhema is a sliver of word out of logos that's alive for you today. It's a, it's a today word. It's a give us this day our daily bread word. And you know it's odd that a word that you get today can be opposite from a word you Church had tripled. I think on, you didn't know this, on Pastor Appreciation Day, they bought me a, a double cab Chevrolet 4x4. Paid the taxes and the insurance. Handed me the key on live, live TV and said, enjoy it. My alcoholic daddy showed up and gave an offering on the front row. Never forget that. You know, I, I love the woods. I love to hunt. I'm sorry, ladies, I'm sorry. I kill things and I eat them. And I'm just sorry. I do. So I was, I was and, and the board had met with me and said, you're our pastor for the rest of your life. We'll never vote on you. Unless you get into immorality or heresy, let's, don't, let's get that off the table. And I had determined I'm going to pastor this church. I'm going to be like B.B. Hankins. I'm going to pastor. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there 50 years. And I'm going to tell you the f- first seven years was famine. And the last seven years were absolute feast. Church exploded. Salary exploded. Just, just being honest. We were just. And the Lord said, I want you to walk away. And I said, is there anybody else up there I can talk to? (laughs) You refer me to Moses or Elijah, somebody that might have more compassion than you on my situation. I don't know about you, but I'm just now seeing what I've prayed my guts out for 20-something years, and now I'm walking in it, and you're telling me, you're telling me to walk away now. One of the strangest scriptures in the Bible is scripture that says despise not prophesying. Isn't that an odd scripture? I didn't really understand that scripture until I started pastoring. <laughs> you know, you get all kind of prophecies. Thus saith the Lord, you're supposed to leave because we don't like you. <laughs> People give you all kind of prophecies. <laughs> New Living Translation says do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't scoff at prophecies. But listen to this. It says, test everything that is said. Hold to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. Now, I did this, and I'm not trying to meddle in your business to tell you how to pastor a church. Everybody's got to do what they, what they 
how the Holy Spirit leads you and how the Holy Spirit moves in this church. I wasn't, I wasn't a big one for private prophecies. Where somebody gets somebody back in a room alone and they go off, you know, thus saith the Lord, let me tell you what the Lord's telling you to do. And there's nobody there to be accountable to that. And then, you know, we got to, uh, you know, what I learned, if you're going to have a flow of the Holy Spirit in the church, it actually uh, needs more control than what you think. A lot of people think we, if, if the Holy Spirit's going to flow, we can't, we don't control anything. Wait a minute. There are things you are supposed to control. Somebody starts prophesying uh, in, in a way that's not right. That's on you. Because if you don't correct it, people get an idea of the gifts of the Spirit that are false. They buy, they buy into a falsehood on the gifts of the Spirit. I, listen, you know, praise the Lord. Y'all know in my heart of hearts, I'm still just a pastor, so I'm going to meddle a little bit. You know, anytime you prophesy, it's got to be in line with the Word of God. You know, I had a, I had a lady, she drug her, she drug her uh, husband into my office. And I could tell by the beginning of the meeting, this is all talking about Pharaoh and Egypt and God delivering the children of Israel out of, out of, out of Pharaoh's hand and out of Egypt. And I'm reading these scriptures, you know. And on the inside, I just said, Lord, what's this about? And the Lord said to me, she thinks that I have told her that she can divorce her husband. She's saying that the marriage is Egypt and he's Pharaoh. So I'm just, I'm being sweet, you know. I'm just, I'm just sitting there, you know. I'm, I'm like that Patrick Swayze guy. You be nice till it's time to not be nice. When is it? I'll let you know. So anyway, I probably shouldn't have told that. People know I saw that movie. I saw the TV version of it. Be nice till it's time not be nice. So I'm sitting there. So while she's talking to me, I said to the Lord, what's this really about? And the Lord said to me, now her husband hadn't made eye contact with me yet. He's down to ground. He's all beat down. And uh, so... So I said on the inside to the Lord, what's this really about? And he said, her father just died. And he, he's a rich man and he left her a big inheritance. And she didn't want him to have a dime, so she's divorcing him. So right in the middle of me looking up a scripture, I said, you know, I don't, I don't really know if we need to uh, look up any more scripture. I said, I, I, let me see if I understand this right. I just want to make sure that I'm accurate. You feel like the, the marriage is Egypt and your husband is like Pharaoh and God has given you a word and he's going to deliver you out of your marriage. She goes, that's exactly right. I said, no, ma'am, it's not. I said, God didn't speak to you at all. Oh, you would have thought I got up on the table and passed gas or something. It was a very uncomfortable situation. So I looked at her and I said, you know what I think? You know what I really think? I said, I think your daddy just died and left you a lot of money. And when I said that, that husband went. He, he looked over at her. I said, now look, if you don't want to have him, let him have a dime of it. Just don't give it. But you don't have to divorce him. He jumped up and pointed at her and went, ha! <laughs> you know. It's best not to mess with the Holy Ghost man. 
You mess with the Holy You get rotten miracles if you mess with the Holy Ghost, man. So why, why the scripture despise not prophesying? Let me give you a few reasons. Because people say things that are not aligned with scripture. So you might, you might get tempted to get t- tired of prophecy. People, people miss it also. I mean, I don't know anybody here that hadn't missed it. I missed it. Have you missed it? I, I missed it. So people miss it. So how come we have to be careful not to despise prophesying? Because when people can miss it, you can despise them. And the Bible's saying don't do it. They just missed it. Anybody can miss it. Innocently, they can miss it, though. And here's, a, here's something else that, that would cause you to despise prophesying. You know, a real prophet has the ability to tell you something you don't want to hear. I'm not talking about the simple gift of prophecy. That is to exhort. That is to comfort. That is to lift up the church. But a prophet's ministry completely different from the simple gift of prophecy. It can tell you your business that you don't want to hear. The Agabus told Paul, the guy that owns this girdle is going to get bound. And Paul said, why are you telling me these things breaking my heart? He told him by the Holy Ghost, that's why. And I don't know, I don't know people today have a different version of Jesus. They have a, a goody two-shoe, goody two, that Jesus can never tell me anything except... You're lovely and precious, and I just love everything about you and everything you do. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that that jives with the revelation, Jesus. I know God is good all the time, but what you define as good may mean just good to your feelings. And Jesus may say something that's not good to your feelings. You know, I have to be honest with you. The Lord. Uh, recently, I got hurt so bad, and it, he was so sweet. He was so sweet in the way that, that it hurt me so bad. You know, I, I want to develop a, a strong daily fellowship with God. But, but you got to understand, I've been out of the country for 20-something years. And I know this is going to sound so carnal to y'all. But I've missed dear season. You, know, you wouldn't treat a person like that. Your dearest friend come. Your dearest friend come at an inconvenient time to your house. Your best of your best friend come. You would not make them feel unwanted. You would, you would not dare make them feel like an inconvenience. But we know that God is so gracious and loving and kind and forgiving. We'll treat him in ways that we won't even treat people. So don't tell me the Lord won't say something to you that you might not want to hear. Why do we have to despise not prophesying? Because sometimes people prophesy amiss in a way. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, nobody can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So let me tell you, if somebody's moving in the gifts of the Spirit and it's drawing attention to them and it's lifting up them, you need to know that's not the Holy Ghost. Now, don't despise them. This is what the Bible is trying to teach us. Don't despise prophesying. You can't lump all prophecy in with their mistake. Right. 
You have to have enough grace to know that, that people can miss it and people can do things that are, that are not right. Can you say amen? amen? And nowadays there's a spirit in the church. Listen, people are so desperate for it. Now, now tomorrow night, I, I'm going to lay hands on people. And, uh, and I can, I'm going to just have to say this. Just be as humble about it as I can say. That the Lord would use me. And if I, if I said it any different, it wouldn't be true. That I can I lay hands on people and things get deposited in people's hearts. And it's not dramatic. It's very unspectacular. I don't lay hands on anybody forcefully. I don't like anybody that pushes people down. I lay hands on you so light you barely can't feel it. Because I don't want it to be about me. But I, I know that tomorrow night we're just going to lay hands on people. And I want you to expect God to... to buy, Deposit something in you. Something is going to get left behind in this church that will take you to another level. Gifts, gifts will get imparted. I don't say it because it's me. I just say it because the Lord used me like that. And if I said it any different, it just wouldn't be true. Lord used me like that. And, and I, and, but, but some people are so desperate for a word from God. Listen, there's people nowadays, they'll sell you a word. They'll sell you a word. So let me say this. If you're a note taker, write this down. The purpose of redemption is relationship. But the purpose of relationship is fellowship. It is an accurate statement to say that Jesus died for my sin. That is an accurate statement. But it's also an incomplete statement. He died for my sin to remove my sin. So that he could enter into relationship with me. But the whole point of relationship is fellowship. Why are you going to get married and live in two separate parts of the house? Why you got a piece of paper that says you're one and you're not? I want to be with my wife. I want to hug her. I want to touch her. I want to. So I want to talk about different kinds of words that I've got in my life and it it might help you. Early on in in my life, the Lord gave me a word, Revelation 3.8, through my pastor. And the pastor actually, my pastor actually made a plaque and gave it to me. And it's a life word. Maybe if you don't have a life word, I'm telling you, the, the Lord can give you a life word. It's a word for your life. He gave me Revelation 3, 8. Behold, I set before you an open door, and no man can shut it. And let me tell you something. Everybody look at me. Look at me. I am an average person. I am just an average person. I came from an incredibly incredibly things and experience things. I don't say that to get any pity. Listen, I am so stinking happy. I'm just here to tell you, it doesn't matter how dysfunctional your background is, how average you think you are. I am nobody. I am nobody exceptional. I have no exceptional. I can shoot a gun pretty good. I can shoot a bow pretty good. I can play guitar a little bit, and I can talk a lot. That's pretty much it. 
And God's taken me around the world I don't even know how many times. And how in the world has, it, how in the world has he paid for it? I don't know. I, to this day, I don't know how we're doing what we're doing. All I can tell you is we are being connected to people that are nation changers. God is moving us into relationship with people, and it's without us manipulating anything. They are calling us. They are, we are finding them through other relations. It's all by relationship. Everything comes out of relationship. Ministry comes out of relationship. You, you want to know my ace in the hole? Here it is. God moved in my city. That little town I told you about, the hand of God moved over that town. Dozens and dozens of us young men rose up at the same time, and women, and went into ministry. Not many of them are still functioning. Some of them are alcoholics, backslidden, and lost everything. I'm still here, Mr. Average. Why? One reason. I never put my work for God ahead of my walk with God. I never put my work for God ahead of my walk. My walk with God and my family are before my ministry. That's why I got three kids that love Jesus. I got three grown kids that love Jesus and love us and love each other. Greatest compliment I ever received was from my son on the day I resigned as pastor. He got up on the piano to do a special he broke down. He's a big old guy. Man, he is a stud. But he's got a heart like you wouldn't believe. So he's up leading a worship song. And he broke down and started crying. Deb and I are on the front row. He looked over and he stopped and he said, I want you to know something, Daddy. In all these years of ministry, I never felt like the ministry was more important than me. I broke down. I started crying. I looked at Debbie. I said, well, we won. I don't know what it is we won, but doggone it, we won it. <laughs> Why? Ministry is not the most important thing. Relationship. God, God had a man before he had a minister. God had a family before he had a church. I'm walking with Jesus. I'm walking with him every day. And I'm living off of a current word. So God gave me, God gave me that word as a, a life word. Let me get, can I give you some more? Uh, when I was young, I never, I was, uh, you know, I was aroused about before I got saved. So I dated girls that were like that. So when I got born again, it, I immediately got in relationship with Debbie. Well, I hadn't dated a lot of Christian girls. So I went to Bible school and I, and I knew she was the one two weeks after we met. I'm just telling y'all the practical side of things. But when I saw all those pretty girls, I got all confused. I said, wait a minute. I might need to try a lot of them out. <laughs> so I dated around a little bit and stupid, got stupid. And the Lord spoke to me out of, out of Proverbs 5, 15. Drink waters from your own cistern. Rejoice with the wife of your youth. Man, you talking about a word from God cleared up all, cleared the confusion up. That was a word from God. Can you say amen? amen. It was a current word. Later on, the church started doubling, multiplied. We ran, we ran slap out of room. So I met with the, we had an engineer in our church. I met with him, and man, he designed this beautiful church. And 
Then he told me the bill. When he told me how much, I was so overwhelmed. I was so overwhelmed. And I just, I shut all talk about expanding and growing. I just shut it down because I was just in fear. I mean, after, after that, listen, after that gift of faith dropped, I was, I was about tempted in a split second of time to get offended over that until I felt that gift of faith drop. I was like, hey, 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 you slapped me all day. Come back, over, come back over here beat me some more. But listen, listen. All right, listen, that gift dropped, but you need a word to go with that. God gave me Nehemiah. Nehemiah 2 verse 20. The God of heaven will prosper us, therefore we his people will arise and build. Let me tell you, I got in the pulpit that Sunday morning. I was like a lion let loose. By the time I got through, people were, we built that building. I had to have a word. I didn't have a word. I got a word. Can you say amen? My daughter started dating this guy. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I'd never disliked anybody so quickly in my life. First four or five times I saw him, he didn't have his shirt on. He had his diamond stud earrings, and, and I just, he's the type of guy that when I was a sinner, I'd go in a bar, and he's, he's the type of guy, I'd, you know, you would just whip for fun. I mean, because he's just, he's, he's the type of guy you want to bring down a notch. In front of his girlfriend. I know, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, listen, I'm work in progress. So, 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 so my, my, my daughter's just, you know, this is the campus stud, and she's in college, and she, everybody's gaga about this guy, and I, I can't, he can just walk in a room and make me angry. So we, uh, we just gave him the cold shoulder. I gave him the cold shoulder. And Debbie, who has a Ph.D. in nice, Actually, was kind of cold to the guy herself, you know. Well, it, it's like the, the more we tried to push her away from him, the more she clung to him. Well, I'm telling you, it was serious. I got three kids, and they lived in revival. We had revival at our church, and now my daughter's backslidden. We had never had backslidden kids in our house. We don't know what this looks like. We didn't handle it that well. I didn't. Debbie did. She. Anyway, I didn't handle it that well. So the Lord had to speak to me, and, and he, he had to tell me, look, I'm not going to work in this situation without, with you not walking in love toward him. So you've got, to, you've got to change your heart, and you've got to love him with my love. And if you'll commit to that, then we'll see. And it was basically, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch you for the next few weeks. <laughs> what was he doing when Abraham was going up the mountain? What did he say after he put him on the altar? He said, all right, we're good now. Yeah. We're not good till Isaac's on the altar. Yeah. A lot of times when I, when I preach at churches, a lot of times... If you'll get this recording and keep it, it will mean a lot more a few weeks later. It'll come up because it's more prophetic type preaching. So anyway, we made a commitment. 
And when I made that commitment, and then I started proving I was going to love that guy. And I'm going to tell you, it took everything in me. I literally would dream about popping him in the mouth. I mean, you know, I'm an old man, but the last thing to go on an old man's is punch. So <laughs> legs can go, but I still got a right. <laughs> Hit him with the overhand right. I'll send you. Anyway, it would not, I, 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 I dream about hitting him. Them earrings pop off, you know. <laughs> pop. Got them at Walmart anyway. <laughs> they weren't real. And you know, listen, so... So I felt like I was dying. So the Lord, so I proved it. Deb and I proved it. We changed our hearts. When, I cha when we changed our hearts and we proved it, the word of the Lord came. The word of the Lord came. He said, I'm about to knock the wheels off of this chariot. He said, now you can drive a chariot without real wheels. I should give you an offering if you just leave. The Lord, the Lord did exactly that. We were talking about a, a, a story where the, we were eating dinner and the presence of God fell at our dinner table. And my father-in-law was there. He lived with us the last five, six years of his life, five years of his life. And he was a Holy Ghost man. And I had my children around. And we were talking about heaven. And Calvin, her daddy, starts describing heaven. And the Holy Ghost hit him. And he started weeping. And so we're at a dinner table with this guy, and the guy goes, well, why do you want to cry over there? And when he said that, my daughter said, I looked at him and went, uh, mm, I just broke up with you. She said, anybody that doesn't understand why somebody would weep when the presence of God comes, she said, what am I doing with you? Two nights ago, you were getting drunk and doing all kinds of things with him. But now you realize this is not the guy from my life. What happened? A word from the Lord. A current word. Then just a few years ago, I get, I get through it. I said, you got cancer. And he called me in and Surgeon, sit, surgeon and the doctor sat down with me alone. And for 45 minutes, they told me how horrible it was. And they told me what was going to happen. And at the end of it, at the end of it, it was the worst 45 minutes of my life. At the end of it, they said, literally said, this is probably what you're going to die from. We'll do the best we can but this is what you're going to die from. And, they, and I, I was like, okay, I'm waiting for a shred of medical hope. Right. And they just looked at me and said, that's it, we're, we're done. And I got up there and I drove around Shreveport, Bossier for two hours. We got a big loop that goes around the city. Deb was in school teaching and I, I didn't realize I was doing it, but I looped around the city for two hours. Two hours thinking, dear God in heaven, they just gave me a death sentence. Didn't realize they're just covering themselves. They have to tell you the worst so it's not to get a lawsuit. But they don't understand that word, if somebody didn't know the Lord, that word can destroy somebody, destroy your life. 
So after two hours, it's like I was in this deep, dark fog, and I cry. I was weeping, crying. I said, oh, God, I need a word. And the Lord spoke. Psalms 27, verse 13. I would have fainted, except I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He just told me I'm not going to die. He just told me I'm not going to die. Not only did I not die, I didn't have to have chemo or radiation. I would have fainted without a current word. Because the doctor just gave me a death sentence. But I got a current word. Very important to get a current word. And then when I was successful and blessed and financially set for the rest of my life, The Lord said to walk away from it. Now, y'all, please, I hope y'all don't judge me too harshly. You understand how maybe you've never heard preachers be this honest before. I don't know, but Ziggy, Ziggy, I've, I've listened to Ziggy preach, man. There ain't nothing hidden on this, including all your lives, which are, which are all over the Internet. Yeah, but uh, so what happened was I know that uh, when I was pastoring at Christmas time, they gave me such a bonus. I, I remember one year we bought every because we, we need to have a talk. This is in September. She said, we need to have a talk. And I said, what is it? She said, is there an assignment from the Lord Jesus Christ that you have not finished at Magnolia Christian Center. I said, no, we're absolutely done. She goes, so we're just staying for money. It hit me like, I said, sweetheart, I wasn't. She goes, I know you're thinking like a provider. I understand your intentions were noble, but the truth is if there's not an assignment, then we are staying for money. I said, baby, we got kids in college. We got, not then, not then, that's right. Senior, senior and junior. We had four vehicles, motorcycle. We had mortgage. We had, I said, Debbie, we don't have anything. We have nothing to walk away to. She said, oh, yeah, we've got a word. Are you telling me that you're through? I said, yes. She said, are you telling me that God is saying, go to Tanzania and raise up leaders? So I said, absolutely. She said, then we got a word. So what we found out is when Peter walked on water, he wasn't exactly walking on water. Because, duh, you can't walk on water. 
But you can walk on a word if it's on the water. He got a word. All you need from God is just one. And every step you take, you're walking on that word. Hallelujah. And then the Lord gave me another word. 1 Corinthians 9, 7. No man goes to war at his own expense. There's not one American soldier that paid for one shoelace on his boot. Not one bullet in his gun. Not one camo fatigue. Not one plane ticket to Afghanistan or Iraq or anywhere that any soldier is. He has not paid. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. Now, I'm going to tell you, I can't, well, I can't tell you. I could if I got a calculator, or Debbie could, she's better at it, exactly how much money we spend in a year doing what we do. Because when we go, we give anywhere from three to, this last year, the highest we gave was 18000 to bless these pastors and to bless these leaders. Because we've, We've proven it. If you can change leadership, you can change a nation. If you can touch a leader, you can change a nation. But ain't nothing going to change till you change the leadership. Age. So my nine-year-old grandson was riding with me. It's taking him deer hunting. And he, I said, Roland, uh, Nolan, do you have any questions? He turned to me and said, yeah, what's the meaning of life? Nine years old. What's the meaning of life? Dear God, at nine years old, I was thinking about, you know, all kind of crazy stuff. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I said, well, I don't know the meaning of life, but I can tell you the purpose of life. He said, what is it? I said, you're created to bring glory to God. That's the simple answer. Now, nine years old, he shocked me. He said, how do you do that? I said, we bring glory to God when God is able to to do something in us and make us be something we couldn't be on our own and he enables us to do something that we could not do on our own and it's so profound everybody knows that's God we know that guy that's God and God gets glory can you say amen God gave us a word God gave us another word to leave. When I turned 60, I worked for one of the greatest men in the world, one of the greatest, most powerful apostles in the world, Egan Falk, Dr. Egan Falk. He's the, he's the Billy Graham of Tanzania, has won more people to Christ. And I walked in his favor, and I ran his Bible college for all those years. And to walk away from him, people thought, you are out of your mind to leave a man like that. But God said, leave. And this is what he said. He spoke to me out of Luke 16, verse 12. He said, I'm going to give you something that's your own now. I'm going to give you something that's your own. I served men for men of God for many years. I served them and loved to serve them. I never had to be the number one guy. I still don't have to be number one guy. Just don't have to be anything. Just 
be just be who God told you to be and just don't I don't worry about any of that stuff but the Lord told me I can trust you now now that you're 60 I can finally trust you and I'm gonna give you something that's your own it's a word from the Lord we need a current word can you say amen can we stand up praise the Lord that's just what I have for tonight. Tomorrow night, we're going to probably go a different direction, lay, lay hands on people. And tomorrow morning, I didn't uh, talk about the key verses that the Lord spoke to me to change uh, the way that I led the people of God. Because I was hurting myself. And God spoke to me out of, out of his word. And tomorrow I will talk about leadership. And here's the thing that I don't, I don't want you to not show up. And you say, well, I'm not a leader. Yeah, you are. Here's the thing about it. Listen to me. I'm going to, I'm going to teach on it tomorrow. But for those of you that have to work and you can't be here, let me give you, let me give you one of the main nuggets about tomorrow. And that's this. If you are a believer, you are a full-time minister of the gospel. If you are a believer, I just finished my first book in Swahili. My first book's in Swahili, and it's on the believer's ministry. Now, we, it's been taught wrong, and because it's been taught wrong, it's brought confusion. Very few people are called into the Ephesian 4 offices. Very few people. There's only one Moses. There was only one Aaron. There was only one Her. There's a, listen, there's only one Joshua. There's a few more captains, but what have we got the most of? Soldiers. Well, we got in the body of Christ. Everybody wanted to be a Moses. Everybody wanted to be an Aaron or her or a Joshua. Or a Everybody is a leader. Why? Because every believer is called to be salt and light. What's that talking about? It's talking about influence. So everybody, somebody's following you, I promise you. You may not know it, but somebody is watching you. And somebody is following you. Can you say amen? Well, let's lift our hands and thank the Lord for his word tonight. Lord, just gave what was in our heart, what you put in our heart. There is a current word. There is a life word. The enemies that you see today, you will see no more forever. There is a word that puts an end to something that's been chasing after me, pressuring me, troubling me, threatening me. There is a word. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to your people in a way that no man could. In Jesus' name, Pastor, would you come? Let's give thanks to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Amen. One word from God changes everything. One word from God can turn everything around in a 24-hour period of time. In 24 hours, God could take you from one place to a completely other place. Amen. Come on, somebody. Listen, the Lord, he'd been talking to us concerning these things over and over and over. Listen, I want you all, I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep you. I want you to be open to the Holy Spirit because the spirit of the living God, he's been trying to get something across to us. When we started this revival, the Lord spoke to me and he said, he said this before we, before we started the meetings, I didn't even have time to call brother Trokel or nobody. I didn't tell Ben. I didn't tell Reuben. I didn't tell nobody, but I told y'all because we started the revival with it. And that was this. This is the year the Lord said that we would come into agreement with his plan. This is the year that God's people would begin to come into agreement with his plan. Amen. Well, you know, to agree with his plan, you have to have a word from God. You have to have a word from God. Amen. Amen. He knows the plan. And he wants to make it known unto you. Glory to God. Amen. So I'm appreciative of this word here today. How many of you receive it? Amen. Thank God. Amen. Say it. Say, I receive it in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Thank God. Well, tomorrow morning, Brother Choke will be here. Once again, don't, don't skip out because you think he's just going to be talking to, you know, a people in what we have termed full. Bro, you don't even know. You don't even know how you, you've, you've walked all over in the field that we have been sowing in. You're dropping seed right where we've been dropping seed. Uh, we, we, had, we, had, we had a month where I talked about nothing but what you said in the last three minutes. For a month. I mean, we talked about that. We hashed it out, man. We, we began to talk about, and I, I'll tell you how it's, well, you know, I need to quit. I need to shut up. But, you know, the Lord, the, Lord, the Lord told me to start a business. I was like, Lord, I ain't got time to start no business. I'm pastoring a church. I'm evangelizing. I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm flying as much as a professional pilot and you want me to start a business? I was like, if, if you want me to, I will, but I don't understand. I don't need the money. We got plenty of money. The salary we receive from this church goes in our savings account. We don't need a dime of what they pay us. But we knew it was required if there was going to be a blessing according to scripture for the people of the house. So we receive a salary, but it goes in, the, it goes in our savings account. We don't, it, we don't need it. And so I thought, we don't need the money. The Lord said, I want you to start a business. I said, all right. I put, up a, I put a business page together, put it up on Facebook. In seven minutes, landed a $30,000 contract. In seven minutes. And you know how long it took us to make that $30,000? About four weeks. In four weeks, 30K. Listen, I'm going to tell you, the, the Lord began to pour out through that. Now, I'm sitting there. It's, it's, it's an aircraft detailing, ceramic coating and polishing airplanes. Somebody, somebody asked me, they said, do you do it? I was like, yeah, I do it. I, I'm OCD. I need to scratch that itch. I have a little thing that I, you know. But I'm over there, and Cherie had been talking to me about, I want to I quit doing what I'm doing, cleaning houses. I want to go full-time in the ministry. You know, we talked like that for years. I want to be full-time in the ministry. I want to be full-time in the ministry. You know, no one has ever understood, I don't think, 
that there are sweet and when they happen they're extraordinary and they're impactful and they get the job done but they're not every day they're not every day glory to God glory to God so I, I did that I did this business I, I've been doing I, yeah I get out there man I, I do it Sheree gets out there with me but we were having a conversation and, and the Lord spoke to me and he said this he said so now that you have this business, are you an airplane detailer or are you a prophet? I was like, well, Lord, I'm a prophet. He said, are you a pastor or are you an airplane detailer? I said, Lord, I'm a pastor. This is, this is a side hustle here. This is what you told me to do. I don't even need the money. I don't even know why you told me to do it. I'm just doing it out of obedience. Do you know how, do you know how awesome it is to go and to do work and you don't have to do it? you just doing it because he told you to do it. You don't need the money. The money's there. You don't even know what's going to go toward any. She got plenty of plans, but you don't even know. When you're not working for money, you know what? When I go and clean it, I'm still working for the Lord because I ain't doing what I wanted to do. I'm doing what he told me to do. And he said, son, he said, you've never been anything but what I called you to be. And it hit me. Sheree's never been a house cleaner. She's always been an evangelist. God never saw her as a house cleaner. She's always been full-time in the ministry. Y'all have always been full-time what God called you to be. You're not a roofer. Glory to God. You understand? You're not a soldier. You never, you never were a factory worker. Glory to God. Amen. See, God's, God's beginning to turn things around, give us a revelation. Let that soak in, man. Amen. I know I'm just saying what he said uh, all over again, but these are the things that God's been telling us. Every one of us need to be aware things are changing. The atmosphere is changing. Things are changing. Amen. When God said, behold, I do a new thing, will you not discern it? That's what he was saying. You can count, you can count on one thing. Things are going to change. But are you going to discern it and be ready? And are you going to pivot when it changes? Are you going to be one season, one seasonal? Or are you going to change with the seasons and be what God called you to be? Current word. Amen. What a great word tonight. So listen, as you go out of here tonight, let these things continue to rest in your hearts. Go in his presence. Come back tomorrow, 10 a.m. We're going to be here.